It's entirely possible that I'm a hypocrite. You know, I I spent I spent a good chunk of the last episode of this podcast belittling the notion that anyone would be limiting their use of a certain set of figures to a single rule set or vice versa, that they would only use a given rule set with one official line of figures. But it occurs to me in retrospect that my own behavior, especially when it comes to one particular genre of miniatures has been, has been shaped, has been sculpted very much by the same sort of thought process. And so I, in fact, am perhaps guilty of that same attitude towards which I was so condescending in our previous installment. And of course, the steampunk figures, you know, I, I'm a little old to really be to really get steampunk, I think, you know, it was one of those things that came along just, just a couple of years after me and pretty much every, pretty much every form that it comes in. But I have always really loved the idea of Victorian science fiction. You know, we played a fair bit of space 1889 in the day and Victoriana was always something that I enjoyed aesthetically. But I've never really gamed that period outside of Colonials, which is really an entirely different situation. Now, I've always wanted to, you know, whenever, whenever a new set of steampunk figures comes along, I will look at them longingly. I will... I will consider placing them into my collection. I'll think about what I could do with them and then I'll move on. And generally speaking, it seems like the, the excuse that I'll give for this failure to, to fully embrace the, format, you know, the, 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 the genre of figures is always that it's just not that there isn't a game there yet, that there isn't a, a system there yet, that there isn't a, a comprehensive line of figures there yet. And all those, all those observations or excuses, let's call them what they are, their excuses are, are true, but are they valid? It's possible that they're not, but I would hope that they are. You know, what I would say in my own defense is that there isn't a, there isn't a consensus game, which makes a community very difficult, which makes a, which makes it very difficult to find other players, which makes it very difficult to to sell a game to your friends, which makes it very difficult to, to sort of focus your, your purchasing on usable units, or at least that's what 
At least that's what I would say in my own defense. And it's also true that there isn't a, there really isn't a comprehensive figure line for steampunk at this point. You know, Malifaux is often cited as being steampunk, but really it's, it's not so much Victoriana, is it? It's more archaic urban horror in a, in a way. It's not really Victorian. You know, I, I've heard people try to give War Machine the the steampunk brand, and that's clearly just techno fantasy. It's not. It's not even in the same ballpark as as steampunk. And and generally, what we see is that people who are doing true steampunk, true Victorian science fiction, are not doing full lines. They're just doing a scattering of figures. Now, while that sort of miniatures availability is certainly not a shortfall for people who are doing role-playing games or people who are doing very small unit skirmish gaming. The sort of 30 figures to a side table gaming that I really like to do has not had good treatment yet from steampunk. So it's always been hard for me to commit to it for lack of that depth of developed lines. You know, there aren't rank and file figures for steampunk games for the most part. I mean, I know Meridian miniatures. I know there's a few, but not a coalesced, complete line from anybody. So, you know, I can, I can actually make this argument from either direction. I can say there isn't a game to play and I can say there aren't figures to play a game with, you know, I can, I can turn this into a chicken or the egg argument, but I would say two things. Number one, I don't think that this is hypocrisy. I don't think that the complaints I had last week regarding people being unwilling to play other systems with the miniatures that they have is accurate in this case, because it's not that there are other systems necessarily available to play. Yeah, I know that there's in her majesty's service, but that's still, that's still pretty new. And it's, it's a set of rules without, without a figure line. And it's also the fact that, you know, without that, without that complete hobby line, you know, without that combination of rules and fluff and miniatures, to complete at least one full game, the period really suffers as a wargaming period. It's fine. Like I said, it's fine as a RPG period. It's not entirely hopeless as a skirmish period, but as a wargaming period, it's just not there yet. And I think that's a big part of the reason that I've passed it by all these years. You know, someday... 
probably in a Kickstarter because let's face it, that's where everything happens these days. There is going to be a comprehensive steampunk battles game. And when it happens, I'll probably go all in. But at this point, there just really hasn't been that game, you know, that one game that, that, that a community builds itself around. And that, that game that, that manifests the interest sufficient to sufficient to find other players and to build an online community and a tabletop community. And so, you know, that lack of community consensus rules and that lack of comprehensive figure line creates that chicken or the egg situation. So I will defend myself on this point. You know, I don't think that this is hypocrisy. I think that it's simply patience. Too epic. So tense. Indeed, and welcome to episode 6 of the Lead Mountain Radio Hour for December 17th, 2014. I am always, am your not-so-humble narrator and ostensible guide, Phil. And this week we really should have called the show Lead Mountain Radio After Hours because it is getting a bit late into the evening here as I record this, but we will... We will persevere, even though it is uh, probably well past the point in the evening where I am able to be lucid. But perhaps that's a good thing. Perhaps it'll be a better show for, for my own incomprehension. We'll see. So what's going on in Lone Mountain this week? Well, we are still we are still plugging away at Robotech. I think that. Uh, Six, nine months down the road, you could ask me the same question. I'll give that same answer. And we, now, you know, that's not really necessarily a bad thing. I mean, of course, this is a figure line that, that I anticipated getting possibly more than any other set of figures ever. And it's a, it's a set of figures that I'm actually enjoying is a difficult term to use with these guys. Um... The finished product, when I've got a, a, a piece assembled and painted and finished, I'm having a great time possessing that toy. But the process of getting there, it's actually quite a bit frustrating. You know, I, I kind of, I, I, I laid out a lot of my frustrations with these figures in, in the game punting uh, unboxing review that I did over on game punting a few months ago and and all those complaints really are still valid you know the the uedf figures are painfully difficult to assemble the uh, the the final appearance of the figures is, is entirely workable but there there's a few odd spots that need to be that need to be addressed here and there. And and overall, like I say, you know, the, the those finished pieces are worth all that work. But 
for some reason, it's just been a project that I'm just in no hurry on. Now, that's not to say that I'm not still consistently working on them. In fact, I, you know, I, I, I put paint to brush almost every night, but I'm working at an unusually slow pace. And it's not a begrudging pace. It's simply a... It's simply a procedural pace. It's like I'm just not in a hurry. You know, like I'm content... I'm content to make the the collecting and the preparation the end goal on this one for some reason. And, and maybe... Maybe it turns out that really at the end of the day I am a bit of a hypocrite. And maybe my my lack of enthusiasm for the game that came with these figures and my my inability to to gain complete comfort in an alternative rule set has has taken this from a preparation to play process to a collection process. I mean, that, that might actually be the case in some respects, or it might just be that, you know, maybe, maybe all of the, maybe all the kvetching and, and perseveration that I've done about the rules for these Robotech figures was simply cover for the fact that I never really intended to play any games with them in the first place. I just wanted to possess them and paint them and have them, to, to hold and to look at and to swoosh around my desk and to to just own this thing that that had that connection to my to my childhood and, and that that seed of so much of the of the nerddom that was to come later in my life. I suppose that maybe there's some of that too. And, you know, at some point, I think I need to, yes, that would be the guinea pigs. At some point, I do need to maybe move to move to a different project, you know, something that I can, something that I can work on with pace and with purpose. You know, I could, I could knock out a saga unit. I could work on a, on a blood bowl team. You know, I think that once guild ball does get delivered, Hopefully next month, you know, maybe February for, for shipping time, fingers crossed. You know, I think once those come in, I'm not going to be putting so much of my time into, into Robotech. And it would have been nice at that point to have gotten more done. But if I was never really intending to play a game with them, if I just wanted to collect them and to have them... Will it have mattered at that point? I don't know. It would be nice to play a game. Would it? I don't know. I think it's enough just just to have these figures. I think that they're they're different in that regard. You know, they're they are just something a little bit different than another set of gaming figures. And I think that, that that fact and that con connection that I have with them just makes their 
makes their reality a bit different than, than so many of my other figures. So hopefully something will break this reverie that I'm in when it comes to painting right now. Could be Guild Ball, could be Saga. Who knows? But I hope something comes along soon because I do feel like I'm not getting a lot done. But strangely, what I am getting done, I'm really just wildly enjoying. It's it's a strange it's a very you know, my painting, while I've always while I've always claimed that it's that it's an artistic venture has always been tinged heavily with purpose. You know, I've never I've never enjoyed painting things that weren't for a game. You know, I always I always want to paint things that ostensibly are for a game I'm going to play. And I've always wanted to knock out those units and I've always wanted to check those boxes and then move on to the next to the next unit that I could knock out and that box that I could check. And that's not to say that I rush the jobs. It's not to say that I don't put a lot of work into them and that the, the output isn't quality. It's just that I've always cultivated an ulterior motive to, to painting. Likely while telling myself that I'm not. And now here I find myself in a situation where all that may exist is the ulterior motive. And in a situation where I'm rather enjoying the slow, deliberate pace of the work. And enjoying it as a hobby. But not in a way that I'm used to and not in a way that I might be comfortable with. I don't know. It's interesting, but I will be putting, I will be putting a few photos of the, the more recent progress of my, my Robotech work up on, uh, up on the parent website of this and many other shows, uh, philbowen.com. You can go there, uh, hit the blog section, take a look at the, take a look at the couple posts I've done on the Robotech figures. And you know, one thing you're going to see there when you go to that site this time around is you're going to see that the the Robotech figures that I have finished are mounted on clear acrylic bases. Now this is a this is a thing that I've only recently started doing. The first the first army that I used this sort of basing on was the the 40k army that I painted last year. And I have to say, I'm really deliriously happy with this, with this approach to basing, you know, again, this is another case where it seems like my, my claim to be an aesthete, my claim to be an artist rather than simply a collector of miniatures maybe doesn't jibe with the reality of what I'm doing because I'm losing the ability to create that, that little vignette that you can do with a, a figure base. And I'm trading it for, 
you know, the negative of base for, for a clear piece of plastic. But I think that the effect in some ways is aesthetically superior in as much as your figure's basing, what your figure is mounted on and how it's prepared is never in conflict with the surface underneath it. In fact, the surface underneath it is plainly visible through the base of your figure. And in, in that way, your figures are always integrated perfectly and fully into whatever scene that they're in. And I think that in that way, you're actually, you're actually experiencing a superior visual impact because there's never anything jarring or separating or juxtaposing about your mounting. And if you are playing on a well-prepared scenic table, then your, your nice figures and that nice scenery are always meshing and merging. And so the, the, the sum is greater than the, or the whole was greater than the sum of its parts. And I think that the clear bases now are, are allowing that to happen. Now, I will say that these clear bases, and if you are interested in doing this, the, be the best place that I have found for getting these is, is of course, Lico Aero Systems. They, uh, you know, everybody probably is, is familiar with them. They are, they are one of the more well-established base companies out there. And these are the, the smaller 1.5 mil clear acrylic bases. They're not terribly expensive. They do take a while to deliver, especially if you need a custom size, but they're absolutely worth it. Now, the other tip I will give you is that when you are, when you are mounting figures on these things, make sure that you are using a, a cement that is appropriate to the task because regular super glue is going to fog and that's going to potentially ruin your base. So you need to make sure that you're using a, a, a glue that is specifically for acrylic and that you, um, you are a bit cautious with, with the application, but when everything does line up, they are, they are really nice. So the caveat here is that this sort of basing, I think, as much as I do like it, obviously isn't for everything. Now, everything I've put on clear bases to this point has been plastic. Plastic figures do seem to be a bit more appropriate to the, to the task from a material science standpoint. I think that the, the plastic figures in the, in the acrylic bases are going to form a better bond than acrylic and metal. I also think that the lighter weight of plastic figures is going to put less stress on that bond and, and potentially uh, keep it healthier longer. Now, the other thing is beyond the material science aspect of it, I think there's just certain certain figures that are going to work better. You know, nothing with a a solid base is going to work. You need something that is either intended to be mounted on a a flat base or potentially a slotted figure that you got the slot it, the slot tab off of. But beyond just um, the sort of issues of practicality, there's even uh, 
additional levels of consideration to to the point that I just don't know that every type of figure and every type of game is going to look right with clear bases. You know, there's something for some odd reason, I'm good with it with science fiction themes, but the idea of putting my historical figures on clear bases, even though they would gain all the same benefits. And even though, you know, potentially they may even be more, historically pleasing as you know historicals do tend to have a bit more vignette quality than diorama quality than science fiction and fantasy stuff i think that that shiny round or shiny square base is a bit more jarring with a historical or fantasy theme you know i don't think i could put saga miniatures on these clear bases mostly because well partially because the the uh the majority of gripping beast figures have cast pedestals that they they stand on so they really wouldn't work well with clear bases to begin with but I think that that seeing you know a, a, a horde of Vikings mounted on these shiny clear bases would would just look a little odd to me. Whereas seeing a a squad of Space Marines or a bunch of battle pods mounted on these shiny round bases just works. So I think that in the right context, they're an excellent choice. I, I'm really happy with them. So as long as you've got the right game and the right style figures. I think that you can, you can try this trick and, you know, a lot of people are going to be, are going to be really excited when they see it. They're going to be interested. It's going to be a talking point and it'll make your army a little different. It'll make your army look really good on the battlefield. It's probably, you know, it's probably something worth trying once. You should probably give it a shot. And speaking of giving things a shot, it looks like I have a third podcast now. You know, it's going from one podcast to two seemed like a an unnecessary demand on my time and energies. Going from two podcasts to three just seems like uh, creating another web page. You know, it's interesting. They... Um, at this point, it, it's it's just talking in a microphone. But I'm pretty excited about this one, and it's called Guild Ball Tonight. It's, of course, about the game Guild Ball, which was a a, a, a Kickstarter game that, that we got really excited about back at the beginning of 2014, and which is scheduled to begin shipping very, very soon, sometime in January. So, you know, looking at it and it being a, a sports game and a skirmish game and a game with great miniatures and a game with great ideas, you know, it's, it's the kind of game that I am just sort of naturally and expectedly excited about. And 
you know, a kind of a kind of show that I've always admired and, and a kind of show that I've always been a fan of in in the gaming world has always been the the single game shows. You know, I listened to WWPD for a long time. I listened to Bolt Action Radio a little. You know, these were, you know, podcasts like that and you know, a few others as well. That just sort of focused obsessively on one game always appealed to me, but there wasn't really a game that I wanted to give that kind of effort to that didn't already have a host of podcasts around it already. And while, you know, while you could always say that. There's always room for more. I don't know that that's true. You know, I don't think that the fans of any given game have the time or the desire to listen to more than one or two or maybe three podcasts about any given game. So, so not getting into a crowd just seemed like the way to go. So I kind of had it in the back of my head for a while that I might want to pick up a a pod a new podcast based on some new game that came down the line at some point in the future to to sort of carve out that niche to be to be in that space for that game doing that podcast early on so that so that there would be not necessarily less competition, but just less crowd, you know, less noise to cut through and, and more opportunity to sort of serve a community and to serve as the focus for a community. But of course, in order to do a, a podcast about a game every two weeks, it has to be a game that you're sufficiently excited about and a game that you're sufficiently interested in playing on a regular basis. So, you know, there, were, there there's been a few that that have cropped up that I've considered doing this for but just couldn't generate the enthusiasm and then when guild ball came around i was initially i was initially excited about it maybe not maybe not bowled over but then as we got more rules and as we got more more figure renders and just you know over the course of the last year my my excitement and enthusiasm for that game has has continued to go up to the point that i'm I'm ready to go and throw my my hat into the ring and and just do a podcast for it. So I've actually done an episode zero and quietly released it um, into into the world to see what people think. And we'll see where this goes. You know, this may be this may be a podcast that that doesn't have legs, or it may ultimately be my favorite podcast. You know, we'll we'll see where things go, but. I uh, think I need to stop at three. This is getting to be a bit, uh, <laughs> it's getting, beginning to be a bit excessive. So, all right. Like I said, uh, tonight's show is being recorded very late. It's, it's pushing uh, 11 p.m. I know I am old. We must always remember that I am very old and my, uh, my, uh, 
ability to stay up and party all night like the teenagers has has left me ages ago. So I don't think we're going to quite make it to an hour tonight on the Lead Mountain Radio Hour, but hopefully something in this in this mess of exhausted ramblings will have will have appealed to you somewhat. And if it did appeal to you, and if you should find yourself wanting to join the conversation, wanting to reach out and tell me what an idiot I am or or praise my my eloquence. You can of course do that at leadmountainradio at gmail.com. That's the email. You can also get us on Twitter at LMRH podcast. Or you can comment on the on the uh, on the show post over at philbowen.com. Go to Lead Mountain Radio section and uh, post a comment in the uh, in the section for this or any episode. While you're there, you can of course listen to Game Punting, our bi-weekly show about crowdfunded tabletop games. And as always, if you do enjoy this show or any of the the growing family of podcasts at philbowen.com, tell a friend. That's how we get the uh, that's how we get the word out, and that's how we make these shows more entertaining for everyone. So that'll do it for the night. This has been episode six of the Lead Mountain Radio Hour. The mountain remains high. Send brushes. Mm-hmm.